0: Welcome. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. As a serious XM and CNN host, I'm known for speaking, but frankly, I read for a living. I need to know what to say. And so I consume over two dozen newspapers and websites daily. I read opposing views and studies and court cases and orders and op eds just so I can discuss current events on radio and television. But my favorite reading? Books. Old school. And my favorite interviews are with book authors. Book Club with Michael Smirconish is now in session. It's called Sex Panther by Odion. It's illegal in nine countries. Yeah, it's made with bits of real panther, so you know it's good. It's quite pungent. Oh, yeah. Ooh, it's a formidable scent. <laughs> it stings the nostrils in a good way. Yeah. Brian, I'm going to be honest with you. That smells like pure gasoline. They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. If you're not smiling, just, just turn the dial, turn off the radio. This This next conversation is not for you. I have just read and thoroughly enjoyed a brand new book that begins this way. Every January, I welcome a new group of students to my classroom at New York University. After the preliminaries and icebreakers and perfunctory reading of the syllabi, I slide open the tray of the classroom's DVD player and slip in a disc. And every year when the DVD arrives on its landing screen and the students realize what movie we will begin our journey together with, I'm greeted by an admixture of cheers, groans and puzzled silence that never ceases to fascinate and surprise me. But before I get to the responses, I suppose I should explain myself. One of the great and all too rare pleasures of teaching is to watch a student reconsider an opinion or impression that they held without knowing precisely why they held it. I show Anchorman that first week of writing about American comedy to dive into the deep end of a debate that we have collectively in American culture for decades about the meaning, import and value of comedy. Saul Austerlitz wrote those words. The brand new book is called Kind of a Big Deal. He is a uh, NYU professor and the author of Generation Friends, named by Vulture as one of the 15 best books about TV comedies. Saul, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for writing it. I'm still not sure why you wrote it, nor do I understand how you were able to get Dutton to publish it. Because I figured it was like just me that felt this kind of an allegiance to this movie. Obviously, there are a lot of us out there.
1: Yeah. You know, when you think about the comedy classics of the last 20 or 25 years, Anchorman is the one that keeps bubbling up to the top of the list. So it was a really exciting and fun project for me to get to work on. And yeah, I would say about 50 or 60 percent of the people I tell about it feel that same sense of enthusiasm that you're describing. And some of the rest have that puzzled silence.
0: When I go to the movies with my wife, I'm there for the gratuitous sex and some violence and escapism. She's the message type. Was there a message in this movie that I have missed all these years? It's been 20 years since the release.
1: I think there is a message in there. I think it's very cleverly coded within the comedy and I think it's entirely possible to watch the movie just as a really joyous, wonderful comedy, but I do think that there's also a message in there about what happens in, you know, all male or or male dominated spaces that feel threatened by the rise or presence of a woman. And so I think that the movie is a kind of uh, feminist fable or retelling of the past through the lens of the world of news journalism. Um, and, and, and that's the kind of story that it's telling here.
0: I spent my, I have spent my entire uh, life in a 50 mile radius in and around the city of Philadelphia. I grew up watching Mort Crim. And Jessica Savage, Larry Kane is a mentor to me. To this day, Larry Kane will critique my work on radio or television. Why am I bringing this up to you?
1: Well, Adam McKay also grew up uh, in the suburbs of Philadelphia. And so when he was first considering the script for this film, Uh, he presented it to people as he wanted to tell the story of the kind of larger-than-life Philadelphia newscasters of his youth. And in fact, uh, at the time that they were first considering this script, the director, Paul Thomas Anderson, who people may know from movies like Boogie Nights and There Will Be Blood, decided to come to Saturday Night Live, where McKay and Farrell were working for a week, to see uh, what the writing process was like for SNL. And... Uh, They pitched their idea to Anderson and he said, great, this sounds wonderful. And, you know, gave them some initial money to get started. And they came back with something that was an homage to the Philadelphia newscasters of McKay's youth, but also was so gloriously over the top and included uh, plane crashes and cannibalism and orangutans with throwing stars who kill off the newscasters one by one. And Paul Thomas Anderson read the script and said, uh, guys, I-, I don't know what to do with this. I don't think I can produce this movie.
0: The the working title, at least when they were they were beginning their thought process, was actually Action Newsman. I learned from you.
1: Yeah, the movie went through a bunch of different iterations, including about the title. Uh, initially, Ron Burgundy was called Rod Burgundy. Uh, Veronica Corningstone is called Alicia Corningstone. So they were they were playing around a lot with uh, the names and titles. You know, after the movie initially had been considered to take place in Philadelphia, they decided to have it take place in Portland. So there's an alternate universe in which everyone you know spent the last twenty years saying "Stay classy, Portland" instead of "Stay classy, San Diego."
0: You write Veronica is not quite Jessica Savage. ...but is granted some of Savage's backstory, much of Savage's tenacity, and an extra portion of Savage's male tormentors. This is not a Savage biopic, biopic, but McKay and Farrell drop enough breadcrumbs to connect viewers back to their original source material... Veronica is given Savage's litany of frustrations at the unappetizing work she is handed and her squabbles with station manager Ed Harkin form an undercurrent of dissatisfaction that runs through the movie. For those who don't know who was Jessica Savage?
1: So Jessica Savage was, um, you know, one of the first women to take on a really prominent role in television news. Uh, she got started working at local stations in Houston and Philadelphia and ends up becoming a national correspondent and, you know, one of the first female news anchors. And she has a very tragic story. She ends up dying very young Um And the movie Anchorman obviously doesn't include all of that, but I think the sense of frustration, the sense of kind of pushing back against a masculine brick wall, uh, that we see and feel in this movie. And in fact, McKay and Farrell, the first nugget that, that of inspiration that sets this movie off starts with Savage Uh, McKay uh, Will Ferrell was watching TV one night he was watching an A&E biography of Jessica Savage and Mort Crimm who you mentioned was on during the the episode just saying offhandedly well you know it was the 1970s so all of us were a bunch of male chauvinist pigs and and that really, you know, set something off in Farrell's mind. So even at the very outset, uh Jessica Savage is a kind of inspiration here.
0: Saul, do you think that anchorman could have been made after Me Too comes to light because this this was obviously just before the movement began?
1: I think the movie is pretty clear when you're looking at it that we are not uh in the movie is not endorsing the kind of male misbehavior of Ron and his friends and Veronica wins all of the physical battles. She wins all of the verbal battles. Uh, I suspect that if the movie were being made now, the emphasis would have to be placed a bit differently. And I think the story would have to be told in a somewhat different format. Um, but I do think that Anchorman kind of gets there before us in a, in a way. And, you know, Movies like Anchorman, each time we watch them, we end up seeing them somewhat differently. And one of the things that I took note of in watching it post Me Too is that this movie was already thinking about all of these issues well before it became a matter of, you know, national debate and discussion.
0: Right. But were we thinking about them from the proper standpoint? There's a discussion in the book where you quote Emily Nussbaum introducing us to the idea of television's bad fan. What's a TV bad fan?
1: Yeah, so a bad fan is someone who watches a show like The Sopranos or Breaking Bad, where we're looking at an anti-hero uh, that the show itself is not endorsing, that the show is is providing for us as an example of bad behavior as an example of someone whose terrible choices lead to, you know, odious, uh, outcomes. And instead of taking in all of that nuance that the show is providing, the bad fan just strips it all away and says, oh, I love it when Tony Soprano whacks somebody. Or I love it when Walter White you know, is a drug kingpin. And so I think, I think the same kind of case can be made for Anchorman as well, that there is definitely at least some cohort of Anchorman fans who are not really interested in the nuance of the movie or the way in which it carefully structures itself and only likes the parts where ron burgundy says offensive things and that's not any that's not adam mckay or will ferrell's fault that's not anchorman's fault but it is definitely a notable phenomenon
0: your book is called kind of a big deal i'm going to quote again words that Saul austerlitz has written
1: this is the book club with
0: michael smirconish podcast from sirius xm
1: welding instructor alex declare knows vr training platforms like forge fx help students master their skills there's a big learning curve with welding virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact
0: have you heard sling tv offers the news you love for less hey wait you look and sound just like me i am you i'm the same news programs on sling tv for less you mean you're me but for less money a lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to Sling. see your offer. Sling. Listen to Michael Live, Weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. Your book is called kind of a big deal. I'm going to quote again words that Saul Austerlitz has written. Ron and his crew are misogynists with flutes, sex pests with faux lined walls, book lined walls, their ugly impulses sheathed in cocoons of almost classiness. The movie's language also toggles between pseudo-classical erudition and and down-and-dirty coarseness, with its protagonist switching at will between thinking of himself as a romantic and a scholar and presenting himself as a no-holds-barred male chauvinist. Anchorman is a fake bookshelf stocked with odiferous scents, its air of fake scholarship poisoned by the deliberate mustiness of its character's profound defensiveness your students are they familiar with it at the outset or are they unacquainted with anchorman given their given their age
1: yeah it's it's a really interesting question and i think each year it changes a little bit i would say that about half of the students are familiar with it most years and have already seen it or at least seen you know memes of it or clips from it and about half of them are not really familiar with it at all so it's it's sort of two separate overlapping uh teaching challenges
0: how do they see it differently if they were familiar with it by the end of the process where you've been dis- uh, presumably there's more to the class than just anchor uh maybe not but yeah. by the by the end of of this unit if you will what is it that they're thinking differently maybe that th- that it's a more sophisticated movie than they thought at the outset
1: yeah and and part of my goal you know i show it the first week of class and one of the reasons why i show it is because i'm I'm bringing in a film that if they're familiar with it, they may sometimes be thinking about it as hilarious, but, you know, relatively disposable and wanting them to think about all the different themes and styles of approach as critics. So whether it's, you know, talking about its relationship to Saturday Night Live, whether it's talking about um, the ways it handles the story of television news or or anything else, um, you know, part of my goal as a teacher is, is to get them to think about, oh, you know, even a comedy that I may think is just a bunch of laugh lines offers me so many different ways to approach it as a critic and as a writer.
0: You know, as between the movie, which had this unbelievable cast and the sequel, there are so many today household names that then were just on the come. I also learned from your book that Aiming for the stars, McKay and Farrell had reached out to Bill Clinton, Barack Obama and Oprah Winfrey to offer them cameos in Anchorman 2. What happened?
1: Uh, Yeah, Bill Clinton and Oprah Winfrey immediately said no. Uh, (laughs) Interestingly, I don't think they were speaking directly to the president, but uh, people representing Barack Obama were somewhat interested and they even formed an idea that the scene was... Uh, sort of the larger, more over-the-top anchorman showdown in in the sequel, where representatives of all different uh, cable channels would kind of face off. And the idea was that Obama would represent C-SPAN and talk about how all audiences wanted was just to get, uh, you know, an unadorned vision of the news without any hoopla or argumentation, and that that was going to be the future of television. Um, so it got to that point, And then I think something snapped back and they're like, no, obviously the president is not going to appear in your silly movie. And that I think was they the said end it, of
0: that. I think they said it differently uh, the way you wrote it in the book, but we'll, we'll leave that to the reader's imagination. I think it was, there's no fucking way he's doing this. Um, <laughs> yeah. finally McKay and Farrell, like when you came to them and said, guys, and, and, and I, I should point out that Saul Austerlitz, a graduate of Yale University and New York University's Tisch School of the Arts. You have some serious academic cred. Like when you came to them and said, I want to write a serious academic treatment of Anchorman, what was their reaction?
1: Yeah, well, my goal was to, you know, to approach it more as a storyteller and tell the story of how the movie got made and and share some of the details of its sort of its position in the larger cultural landscape. I would say that both of them, you know, it took a while to to get everyone on board, but I think they were excited to to help a little bit in terms of telling the story um, and to feel like Anchorman is this landmark movie that is worthy of treatment. You know, sometimes comedy gets easily dismissed. And I think that having, you know, books like these on the history of comedy are are kind of a wonderful thing.
0: Saul Austerlitz, well-written, well-told. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you being here.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Michael.
0: The book is called Kind of a Big Deal, Kind of a Big Deal. Saul Austerlitz is the author. The book is all about Anchorman, how Anchorman stayed classy and became the most iconic comedy of the 21st century.
1: This is the Book Club with Michael Smirconish podcast
0: from SiriusXM. I don't know. Is it only for the guys? I mean, am I being self-indulgent here by talking so much about Anchorman? And is it a guy thing like my other movies of choice, which would include Caddyshack and Animal House? And and we just had a great conversation uh, with Ty Burr from The Washington Post a week ago about, you know, maybe the role that Animal House played in ending the 60s and bringing on the 80s when it was released in the late 70s. Uh, Slapshot would also be on that list of mine and i was i was drawn to the book that saul wrote in part because i've talked extensively about my my friend my mentor larry kane over the years i didn't really appreciate the you know the the small but nonetheless significant role that he played in the whole origin of the movie because as pointed out in the book mckay and farrell adam mckay and will farrell they flew to philadelphia on anderson's dime they spent two days touring the city thinking about where they might film at about the city's action news team whom mckay considered living legends mckay and farrell reached out to veteran television journalists to learn more about the tv news of a bygone era in philadelphia they spent a few hours talking with esteemed local news anchor larry kane and were put in touch with famed new york newscaster chuck scarborough They particularly love Jack White, Dean of the San Diego newscasters on the city's Channel 10, who gave them a private tour of his museum of magic tricks and collectibles. Some anchors like Scarborough realized that Anchorman was not going to be entirely serious and they disengaged from the project. Others, like White, were fully supportive, arguing that not only was McKay and Farrell's joke fundamentally true to life, but the past was even wilder than they might have known. White told McKay and Farrell that in his early years, everyone in the newsroom would regularly smoke and a few times a week, one of the filing cabinets would catch fire from people incautiously approaching flammable documents with lit cigarettes in their mouths. Another newscaster McKay and Farrell met, told them a story where the director of their broadcast was at a bar and got so drunk that he missed the show he asked the bartender for the telephone, reached the station, directed the show from his bar stool, calling out shots while watching the television broadcast. McKay and Farrell talked to a friend from Pittsburgh who told them about how the number one news team in the city would have legendary boozy pool parties, and the idea kept rolling and rolling from there. Um, it's funny because people like to say, oh, that character, the Ron Burgundy character, the Will Farrell character is based on uh, one particular individual. But what becomes clear is from the book, it was a composite of the entire era. And I'm sure like many of you, I grew up watching this era. I should have said to my guests that something else that was great about it was the soundtrack. I mean, the the soundtrack that they used, and I'm thinking of one song in in particular was Afternoon Delight. Not only do they all sing it, but just that song, how it became such a a critical part of of what was going on in Anchorman. And what's the other one that I'm thinking of, Uh, Bill? uh, He's gone now. Damn it. He wrote the song. Use me. Yeah, that became another great one. Anyway, I'm not alone in loving this movie. Uh, John Eastport, New York. What stands out? Hi Michael, big fan. Uh it's it's a weird thing to say, but that one line where Veronica Corningstone with the Mr. Burgundy, you've got this gigantic erection. Right. It just kills me. Well, I that's Gee. why I asked, could you could you do it in a post Me Too era? Look look, it's been a while. I know what I'm gonna do. I'm I'm causing lots of us now to go quickly back and, and rewatch Anchorman this weekend and that's fine. But my recollection is the it's it's a happy ending, no pun intended, where Veronica Corningstone and Ron Burgundy are together. I mean, could you make this movie post Me Too and and have them end up together? I don't think you could. No, no, I don't think so either. It's a guy thing. I don't I don't think that the ladies are in are, are into this movie the way that uh, the, the way that we all were. Oh, wait a minute, Mar- Mary Pat. Mary Pat, are you the one woman who uh, who says no? Wait, me too. I not in a in that way, but you were also into the same film.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Michael, I'm leaving for San Diego in the morning, and I plan to watch it on the flight. It's Seriously. Like my tradition. So
0: Seriously, I know my
1: daughter lives in uh, Pacific Beach.
0: I know that, like me. You're in the Philly Burbs. I don't know if we're compatible in age, but do you remember Jessica Savage? We are. Do you remember? You do?
1: Yeah, yep, I do. And I remember her tragic death. No, I too. I didn't read this book and I'm gonna get it, but it's uh, it's very uh, very timely and uh, interesting.
0: Uh, have fun, Mary Pat. you'll enjoy it. Safe travels. Jessica Savage was very smart, gifted and attractive, have to say all three of those things, uh, broadcaster who came through Philadelphia and then caught a break. He explains it in the book, and now she's on a fast track to get to, to network broadcasting. And the end of her life was tragic and played itself out in my backyard because adjacent to the Delaware River in New Hope, person, uh, in New Hope, Pennsylvania, is the Delaware Canal, And there was a restaurant now removed. It was actually an inn, and she'd come from New York City, I I think with a producer from the show, and the two of them had gone out to dinner at this particular inn, and the parking lot was adjacent to the canal, and after dinner, they backed their car into the canal, where it overturned, was submerged in water, and she drowned. And that that was the horrific ending of her life, and... As you heard from my guest and my conversation with my guest, loosely they they say that the uh, the Corningstone character, played by Christina Applegate, was was tied to the arc of her life, which, uh, yeah, as Mary Pat said, had a had a really tragic ending book club with michael Smirkanish. new episodes drop mondays wednesdays and fridays listen to the michael Smirkanish program weekdays on sirius xm's potus channel 124 and anytime on the sxm app
1: connect with michael on facebook twitter youtube and at smirconish.com across america bp supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing